Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Okay, raise your hand. All right, who, oh, and I'm going to ask you a question, and keep your hand up if it's true. Who loves internal auditing? All right, I'm guessing like 99.99% of you lowered your hand after asking that question. Well, it's important, really important actually, especially if you have a true quality culture or want a true quality culture and have a mindset of continuous improvement. Uh, We can always get better. And internal auditing is a way, one method that done properly can help us improve our processes and our operations as medical device companies. Joining me today on the Global Medical Device Podcast is one of Greenlight Guru's very own medical device gurus. That's a mouthful. Sarah Adams, and she loves internal auditing, and she shares all sorts of wisdom and tips and pointers with respect to that topic. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And joining me today is uh, one of our gurus, one of our medical device gurus, uh, Sarah Adams. Sarah, welcome back to the Hi. podcast. So excited to be here, John. It's going well. It's going well. All right. Your uh, setting looks so regal and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, and you, and you said it was quiet today. Yeah, it's quiet today. I actually, <laughs> background, we are having internet struggles at our house. So I have transitioned into the library. So this is not my decor, but it does. It looks very official, right? No, no. It's like, it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, like, uh, I don't know. Anything I'm going to say from here on out is just going to sound silly, but we should talk about something that's important and that people care about. And I'm, I'm sure some are going to roll their eyes, but others are going to yeah. be excited about it. For those that are going to roll their eyes, I think after listening to this conversation that we're about to have, they might change their mind a little bit. And the conversation, just to kind of frame the context a little bit, is internal auditing. And you've confessed uh, that, that you love internal audits. I guess maybe that's a good place to start. Why is it that, that you love internal audits? Yeah, I have confessed. I told John that I was a weirdo who liked <laughs> internal audits. I love audits in general. You know, John, I think it's the rule follower in me. I am like to a T, I like I like rules. I like boundaries. I like guidelines. And so to be able to take you know, to take a checklist, to take, here's the standard, here's the regulations, go in and, and verify that we're following these. I, that is something that I enjoy. And more than that, I'd rather find it than let somebody else find it. I came from a background where I hosted at least 20 audits, customer audits, supplier audits, regulatory audits a year. And when somebody else finds it, it's really no fun because then I have to work lots of extra hours to fix it. So I'd rather find it on my own. The pressure is different too when somebody else finds it, I I think, as well. Definitely. Definitely. Um, All right. So I'll... um... I got a couple of scenarios that uh, that I've lived in my past and that I think relate to this topic, um, sort of. Um, the first, on your last point, is you know it's better to find it yourself than have somebody from outside your company come in and find it. One of the, the companies I worked with once upon a time, you know, we um, I'll just say our, our internal uh, auditing program not very robust. 
it felt a lot like a checkbox activity. And we knew like, and I was in engineering and product development and, and, you know, we knew that there were a lot of, we'll just say opportunities for improvement with our processes and our approach. And some of us were like hopeful that the, this would be discovered or uncovered during internal auditing. And when it wasn't, I mean, there, I, I remember one internal audit in, in particular, I'm sitting down with the internal auditor who worked for a company. I felt like I was feeding him all this opportunity. Like, look, look at this. And what about this? Because, you know, I wanted something to change. I wanted some improvement, yeah. but that never found its way into your internal audit report. And that was a head scratcher for me. But then a couple of months later, I think we had an ISO audit and boom, it all got uncovered. They found it. They found yeah. it. And, you know, which is a good, bad thing. I mean, some of us like, yes, uh, sorry that it took that ISO audit to do this, but finally we're going to do something about it. Does that story resonate with you in any way, shape or form? Absolutely. When I first started in medical devices, I came from the same. Internal audits were a checkbox. Like, let's just check it and move on. In fact, just as a side story, we almost missed a deadline just because it wasn't, it wasn't important. It wasn't important to upper management. It wasn't really important to anybody. It was just something that we were checking the box for. Now, as we grew and as we like realized we're going to have multiple other people coming in and this is not enjoyable to fix, you know, to, to sit through. It's not enjoyable to say we knew about these things, but we just, I mean, you'd never say that, but like internally, right? And so as we went on and as we grew, it, we started looking at things, one, from a risk perspective, like where are we seeing our trends? Where are we seeing, where do we need to dig into? Where do we need to go specifically? And, you know, like, like you said, you find, you, if you go specifically to places, you're going to find more things because you know that's your weak area, yeah. but that's also really good because you can fix it and, and not give someone else an opportunity to find that. Yeah. And I, I, I always tell people, I, I think it's important that you have a robust internal auditing program. But I also, you know, in, in addition to that, I try to coach people like your internal audits should be the toughest audits that you ever have. I agree. You know, any, any suggestions on how to make that the case? Yeah, I think from my perspective, in the beginning, I was unwilling to go to those places to have findings because who wants findings, period, right? Like who wants to, and, and you know, if you find a major finding and open up a Kappa, you're creating extra work for your team. But for me, as we went through it, it became like a, I want to fix this because I am tired of this area causing complaints or causing ex extra, you know, parts of our time to be able to, to go back to. So it is valuable, you know, to be able to, to look into those areas that, you know, you have problems, problems that, that you need to fix. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think a lot of companies, in my opinion, they don't embrace quality as part of their culture. Agree. Um, I, I think a lot of companies look at this as uh, almost like an an obstacle or an impediment or a barrier or something that's preventing people from doing things, which is unfortunate because when that quality auditor is trying to do his or her job for the benefit of the company, sometimes they're, they're viewed as the bad guy, you know, or the yeah. bad gal, you know, and that's, I don't know, just, you've been doing this a bit. So you've seen some good, you probably have seen some things that are not so good, but 
what are some things that, that come to mind as, as to how companies can sh- sort of shift their mindset or their culture with respect to embracing quality? That's so funny that you say that. I was going to say, change your mindset. Like as, as quality, we have to change. I had to change my mindset in my experience, but really going into your company, your organization and, you know, Focusing, I'm trying trying to phrase it right, John. I, I think from my experience, what helped us grow that culture, what helped me grow that culture of we need to treat this as, as something that's valuable. Um, you know, as we took steps in the right direction, we we had a lot of findings initially, not from internal audits, from customers, um, from notified bodies and seeing the progress that we were making really helped to change that mindset. In other words, as we continued down this path and we were really making improvements to our quality management system with our internal audit program, management noticed that. And they noticed it because we weren't having as many findings from other audits. And, and you know, like you always want to show well, period, but you you don't want other people to know the bad things. Like you don't want them to find the bad things. You want to find those internally. We want to keep it in the family, you know, not to use a silly analogy, but like, let's keep it in the family so that we can fix it internally. Um, The other thing that I'll say to that is I think it's quality. A lot of times, like it's really easy to go in and say, we have to do this. And that is not well received in any part of life. Like forget medical devices. If I tell my four-year-old, you have to do this, he's going to throw up a fight, you know, regardless. So to me, being able, there are times that as quality, you have to walk in and say, we have no choice. We have to do this. But if there are choices, being able to say like, we have this Kappa, we can go this route, we can go this right. Or, or, you know, maybe it's not a Kappa, maybe it's an internal audit finding. We can go this, we can do this, we can do this. And being able to present options that still will take you into compliance, I think is huge for getting management's buy-in because the last thing they want is for you to come back and say, we have to do this. It's going to cost millions of dollars. (laughs) Like that's not setting the right, the right mindset for everybody. Yeah, it is. I mean, we talk a lot about the culture, how important that is at Greenlight. And yeah. I guess a good way to kind of summarize or paraphrase or briefly describe that is it's a two-way street. It's not like we as an executive team can just push the culture down right. and expect people to say, yeah, that's awesome. You as as a person have to contribute and, and participate in that as well. So it has to be two-way street. And I, I like the point that you raised because I think that was the other thought that was coming to mind is sometimes the quality uh, auditors uh, inside companies, they, um, they give the perception that they're wielding a lot of power. Yes. And, and they're quick to like pound their chest and say, oh, you got to do this because I said so, you know, because mm-hmm. the procedure says this and that sort of thing. And, and you're right. There is a, a, sometimes there is a time for that, but you know, you got to figure out how to collaborate. And I, I think this is the, the mistake or a mistake that, that some companies make is that each functions don't understand the roles or, or the jobs to be done of the other functions. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen this a few times in my career where quality trying to do a good job, but they had no idea what we were doing in product development you Yeah, know, and, and vice versa. So, you know, what can we do to improve upon that? I mean, do we, do we get people to do like a, ride along or a shadow or, or something like that to kind of see, or how, how can we better improve that situation? Cause I you think know, prevalent. yeah. And I, I, you know, speaking in the context of internal audits and, and then certainly other as well, but we, we brought 
brought other individuals in. So our internal audits were not just run by quality individuals because sometimes it's it really pays to have a fresh set of eyes. You know, I mean, you don't want someone who's responsible for that role to be auditing their area, period. And in a smaller company, you've got to utilize some different individuals. And so I think like really, you said it, but collaborating together, um, bringing in other other divisions and other parts within your company so that they can see and understand and training them what we're looking for in a a quality audit, letting them own that, own portions of that is really helpful. You know, on the other side, like certainly not, you know, not in internal audits because you want that collaboration period. You don't want it just in internal audits, but having roundtable discussions, bringing them in for bringing other, other parts of your organization in for, the CAPA review for the manage I mean, manager review, obviously you have to have other people, but for customer feedback, for different areas and really treating it like a true collaboration, because I think quality in, you know, certainly from my background and my past, there were times that quality was just stuck with it. Like, oh, that's quality's job. They need to, they need to do that. And when in actuality, like quality is everyone's responsibility, yeah. not just qualities. Yeah, and and to kind of carry that further, I think you know, generally speaking, all the things that we do—I mean, all, um, not necessarily all—but the majority of the the major things that we do, there should be uh, an underlying procedure or overarching procedure or, or work instruction or something of that nature that that defines those major steps and those processes. You know, quality is, is going to be auditing to, against those processes and procedures. But me, as the the person who who needs to procedure that applies to my job, I should be knowledgeable and, and familiar with that. And you know, if I'm re- reviewing that, I'm like, whoa, this really isn't how we do it. It's not what we're it's doing. Probably a good idea for me to raise my hand before an internal audit. Don't just absolutely wait and say, hey, whoa, can you explain this? Because we do this and. This says that and that sort of thing. So I think that's important. Yeah. On that note, like I can't tell you how many internal audits I was a part of where like somebody would say, oh, that's just, that's not how we do it. Because when you go out as an auditor, you take your procedure, you're going to look and watch and make sure everybody's doing it by that. Oh, I didn't know. You know, and, and that's a big red flag. Like you, you are, you are the owner of your process. So you should be raising your hand and saying like, oh, this is sometimes the what you're doing makes more sense like right. and may still be regulatory regulatory acceptable and right. and there's no issue with it so yeah i i think yeah i definitely would reiterate what you said that everyone has to own their process and their yeah. procedure I, I mean and don't this is a dangerous statement but don't just accept what's in your procedure as gospel uh, if, it's, yes. if it's if it's not pragmatic and it doesn't necessarily make sense there might be a reason why certain things are described the way that they are. And there might not be, but it's at least worth asking the question. Uh, yeah, have the conversation. Have the conversation. I want to take a, a brief pause. I want to remind folks I'm talking with Sarah Adams. Sarah is a medical device guru with Greenlight Guru. Sarah, talk a little bit about what does a medical device guru do at Greenlight Guru? Uh, how do you work with companies and customers? I love that question, mainly because I absolutely love being a medical device guru at Greenlight Guru. So I get an opportunity to onboard and train our customers as they're coming in to the software. Um, We get to talk through real examples of my background, their background, how 
the best ways to utilize the software system. Additionally, I have some monthly and bi-monthly sessions with customers who um, we just sit down and, and we, we talk about whatever they want to talk about. So we can talk about how to best use the software. We can go through the quality manual and, and I can provide feedback based on my experiences, especially in audit environments and things like that. So I just, if I could summarize it, I get to help people bring their products to market faster and safer. And I'm just really passionate about it. If you couldn't tell. Yeah, no, I, I, I share that passion. And, and one of the things that's that Sarah believes in wholeheartedly, I believe in wholeheartedly, frankly, anybody you talk to at Greenlight is going to, is going to share this sentiment. We have a mission at Greenlight, and that's to improve the quality of life. And there's lots of layers to improve the quality of life. I, I, I'm improving the quality of my life because I get to do things that I love to do. Sarah gets to improve the quality of her life for similar reasons. We get to improve the quality of our customers' lives because we're making life a little bit easier to be a medical device professional. And we get to uh, help have an influence on improving the quality of life of patients who receive the products and technologies that our customers are bringing to market because they're going to do so in a way that's safer and more effective. And, you know, frankly, I can't think of a better mission in the world other than that. So got lots of job opportunities at Greenlight Guru. If you're curious to see uh, what those opportunities are, just go to our website. There's a careers pages. But also, if you're a medical device company and you're curious about how the Greenlight Guru medical device software platform can be a resource to help you then I would encourage you to also go to www.greenlight.guru to learn about all the workflows. We have workflows for design and development, for risk, for document management and change, as well as quality events, including workflows to help you manage audits, all in a single source of truth software platform designed specifically and exclusively for the medical device industry. So check that out. All right. So, a moment ago, Sarah, I mentioned that I had a couple of scenarios or stories, blasts from the past, if you will. Uh, here's another one on the topic of internal audits. It's quite a few years ago, but I was called in as a consultant at this time. The company, uh, small med device company, I think they had about 15 total people and they did manufacturing and all that sort of thing. They had previously, like within the uh, maybe a month or so prior to calling me, had had an FDA inspection. It went a little sideways. Uh, they, they had quite a few uh, 43 observations. I think we also ended up getting a warning letter, uh, but lots of things to, to address and mitigate. And um, so I'm you know diving in and it's a little bit later in the calendar year and I'm going through you know all of their, just trying to familiarize myself as quickly as possible because we had work to do. And one of the things that I um, uncovered or learned it was, it's right around thanksgiving it's very vivid to me time of year i read their internal auditing procedure internal auditing procedure over turkey is that how it <laughs> <laughs> well, there was some turkey involved for sure uh, um, and and their internal auditing procedure basically said every single procedure and process had to undergo or be part of an internal audit every calendar year okay and here it is, late November. And they hadn't done it yet. And they hadn't done a single internal audit during that calendar year. It's a lot of work, John. Yeah, and, and this was you know outside my scope of, of work for them. And the company decided, and it wasn't necessarily my advice per se, but they decided, nope, we're going to stick to that procedure. And, and they kind of had you know the, 
you know, haven't gone through that recent FDA inspection, some of the the observations were you're not following your procedure. So they kind of had to throw them to their head. So they decided to hire another resource to do all internal audits from essentially December 1 through December 31. Wow. Right? It gets better. The <laughs> it can't get better. <laughs> person was who doing the internal audits did so like ninety five percent of the time was entirely remote. Which I understand there's ways you can do this, but this was a manufacturing facility, and this person spent little to no time on site. Um, little to no time actually interviewing or interacting with anybody that worked at the company. And uh, wait, it gets better. Uh, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to chime in. But the other thing that their internal auditing procedure uh, mandated is anything found as an issue during an internal audit must result in a kappa. All right. So I'm going to shut up and just let you digest some of that. And, and I feel like I can't even talk over this situation. <laughs> How miserable for them. Because on top of that, they're dealing with 483s for the FDA and they just had how many internal audits in like it was about 30 month? or so internal audits John. and what? and and let's just say uh, I guess I'll give you one more little tidbit here early January uh, they they started issuing I think they ended up issuing 40 internal campus on top of all of this right so first of all make a plan, (laughs) plan. uh, What is it? They say fail to plan, plan to fail. Like you're required to make a schedule. So we need to make a schedule early on, especially if we know that we have this requirement, which it sounds like they didn't necessarily know what some of their requirements were period if they weren't following their procedure in multiple areas, but, um, make a plan and, and don't plan for December. Um, like I'll just share this example. The last internal audit I did, um, I had a death in the family and we had to reschedule it. If we had scheduled that for December, we would have had, we would have had issues. Um, life happens. So make a plan. Um, the next big thing that comes to mind is don't make yourself, don't sign yourself up for more work than you need. Don't tell, don't, you need to have a procedure in place and it needs to tell you what to do in the instance that you find findings. Don't sign yourself up for CAPAs as a result of internal audit findings. Now, you may have to. You may have a systemic issue that becomes a major internal audit finding, and that needs to be a CAPA, but why would anyone do that to themselves, I don't, John? Because I don't know, because not all, but some of these things were as simple as change some verbiage in a procedure. You could have just documented that on a change order, but I think there's a couple of misconceptions uh, especially in, the, in the, the idea of internal audits. I think misconception one is that I have to conduct internal audits on every process, every procedure in my company at least once a year. Uh, and I'll give you one other misconception and then I'll, I'll get your reaction to it. I think the other misconception uh, is that if I do have an audit finding, that I have to create a CAPA. Yeah. I think those are two pervasive. Those are pervasive thoughts uh, and conventional wisdom in the industry. So, what are your your reactions to those? Yeah, on your first one, I on the first misconception, I would say that as the rule follower who likes to cross all the T's and dot all the I's, that in the beginning of my career, I leaned towards that misconception that we had to look at everything because that was what our procedure said. 
right or wrong, but we had to go deep in everything. And as we moved, and I really think, John, what, what led us to go down this path was ISO 1345 2016 transition. Like when we started taking a more risk-based approach, like you, you need to rationalize what you're looking at, why you're looking at that and define that. And it doesn't mean that you have to look at every single thing. We had lots of different areas that did the same process, that followed the same procedure that, you know, you can go to your biggest areas of risk or where you've identified trends. And and like you said, I I think think that definitely was a misconception to me. And so I can see where that would be a misconception to others, other like-minded individuals who love audits like I do. Um, The second part, CAPAs are not meant to be for the example that you shared. Like CAPAs are meant to be systemic issues. So yes, it makes sense that if you have major findings, that those would lead to CAPAs, major systemic risk-based, you know, that those would lead you to CAPAs. But as far as requiring that every finding be a CAPA, I I think that's a huge misconception. Yeah, for sure. So maybe working toward wrapping up our conversation today, let's leave folks with some some practical, pragmatic tips and pointers when it comes to internal auditing. And, and I, I guess I'll, I'll throw one more slight twist in there. I, th- I think another thing, maybe I guess before we do that, small companies, I think, are uh, feel encumbered on this topic. And yeah. uh, I think sometimes because, you know, maybe, you know, you're a startup or a smaller company, maybe you don't have anybody on your staff that is an internal auditor, or, or maybe you don't have the, the bandwidth or the resources to do that. What suggestions would you have for folks that are in that situation? Yeah, it's tough because my number one su- suggestion is to do it yourself. Like I, you don't want, you want to find your things. You know your processes and procedures better than anybody else. I can't tell you how many times I hosted audits and an auditor doesn't know what they don't know. So you want to steer them in a different direction? It's not that difficult to steer them in a different direction. And so if you want your audit to be valuable, find ways to do it yourself. And and if you're a smaller organization, you can do that by utilizing people who are in different areas and and maybe classifying a a lead auditor who's a quality quality member, quality focused, and and then pulling from other areas. You may have additional thoughts on that, John. Well, I was going to offer a couple of things. I do think it's, it's important to be involved in the process I think it's okay to to outsource some of the activities mm-hmm. here. Like maybe you don't have anybody on your team who has uh, audit experience, um, and I think I think this is important to factor. Even if you do do it yourself, it is important that the people who are doing audits have had some sort of training and or experience with respect to auditing. So that is important. And there are courses uh, you can take. Yeah, easily. But you can also, you know, maybe to get your internal auditing program a little bit of boost and get it going, if you're a smaller company, that might be an opportunity to to have a consultant come in, um, help you, you know, build a schedule and a plan, provide a little bit of oversight, but don't just expect that person to go off and do do it themselves. Include people from your team through that process because that will be part of training that then the next year you can say, well, yeah, they were involved in our internal auditing program. So I just wanted to add that. that I think yeah, it's really important. I love that. Myself, idea. But, but figure out a strategy or a plan to get the experience and, and, and the training so that you can do this on a long-term sustainable uh, approach. Yeah, for sure. All right. So back to the question that I asked that I put on pause. So to wrap things up today, what are, 
some key tips and pointers that, that you think are important to leave folks with today? Yeah, key tips, make a plan, I, make a schedule, stick to your schedule. Um, you know, I, I think you can do that. You can do, you can do that yearly if you really want to you can do it twice a year quarterly i like quarterly personally but don't do it yearly i was gonna just add don't do it all the time like don't schedule one a week because nobody's gonna pay attention to it like like you said with quarterly people will focus in like this is my week or this is the two days that we're gonna internal audit and and really utilize that time for audit so i like that you say quarterly um i also will add document your, this is, this sounds silly, but document your audit procedure, have a procedure that you are following, and then really look to change that mindset to value the internal audit. And, you know, we're in COVID, who knows what that's going to change. You kind you mentioned, you touched on virtual audits. I did have to do a virtual, a couple of virtual audits because of COVID. Um, You know, if that is, somewhere where you are right now and, and it may, we hopefully are coming out of that. And, and so it's not going to be an issue, but um, I think that there are parts that you can do virtually, but I think it's so important, especially in manufacturing to have someone on the ground who is observing. Um, so even the virtual audits I did, somebody else was carrying the computer around as a, as an auditor so that they could say, Hey, this doesn't look right. And send me a picture and, and things like that. So um just as a real quick tip on if you if you're being forced into virtual environments for auditing. Yeah, and, and I think that's going to be a thing that's that's going to be around for a bit. I do too. Form. you know, even when, once uh, all the restrictions are are lifted and we're back to normal, whatever that now means. Right. Uh, I, I do think that that uh, regulatory bodies and auditing organizations, I have to imagine that they've seen some benefit of this. Yeah. They expect that they're going to incorporate this in some way, shape or form. But uh, yeah. anyway, that's, I mean, that's one reason that I love Greenlight because it is easy to have everything electronically for your auditors. I've been in a paper-based system. I'm not sure how we would have survived COVID audits without it, without being in an EQMS. I, totally I mean, even if you're not in COVID, I mean, I've, uh, yeah. paper-based audits. Period. Painful. And then, you know, and that's, <laughs> Some people have this, this, I think it's a flawed strategy when it, that, oh, we're going to stay on paper uh, and, and we'll just like, we'll, we'll make the audit process difficult. And man, I've been an auditor before, um, you know, uh, both within, uh, as an employee of a company, as, as well as somebody brought in from the outside. Don't make your auditor's life difficult. No. I, and like, let's, let's. <laughs> the way I looked at it, like, let's get out. Like I, if, if it takes you five hours to cover, why would I stall? Let's just get you what you need. And and I'll just add, John, I did live in that mindset that paper was king and that even once we went to an EQMS, I still printed everything and slid it across the table. But it, when you switch, like it makes everyone's life easier because yeah. they can get what they need faster. They can get out of your hair faster. And wouldn't we all love that to happen? Yeah, and, and we've had uh, many customers at, at Green, of Greenlight that have shared uh, stories about going through audits with Greenlight in place. Some, you know, they they had lived that life prior to implementing Greenlight. The one story that comes to mind um, that, that's kind of top of mind, there was a, a, a smaller startup and they were achieving uh, definitely ISO certification and I think MDSAP as well, but don't quote me on that one. The, the audit was cut short uh, 
by like a day and a half because it was so efficient to go through they were in green light. the process because we're using green light. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that makes a real difference. Uh, nobody wants to go it does. an audit, um, or most people don't. Sarah might. Uh, I like audits, but I still want you out as quick as possible. I don't yeah. want findings. <laughs> so, you know, check it out. Go to www.greenlight.guru and, and we'd be happy to have a conversation to understand your needs and see if we might have some products and solutions to help you out. And, you know, you, you might have an opportunity to work with one of our gurus, uh, including Sarah Adams, somebody who loves audits and would be happy to provide tips, pointers, coaching, all those sorts of things to help you prepare for those situations. Because I think it's one of those things that, uh, you know, if you've never been through it and maybe you're newer to the medical device industry, like that's not going to happen. It will. It's coming. It it will. Whether you, you think it will or not, it will happen. And so be prepared for it. Don't have to react to it after it's already happened to you. So Sarah, thank you so much. I appreciate your insights and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that you love internal audits and, and I'm glad you're having a great time at Greenlight Guru. So thank you so much for, for being on the Global Medical Device Podcast today. Thank you for having me, John. It was fun. We'll do it again. I'm quite sure. Folks, thank you for making the Global Medical Device Podcast and keeping it uh, as the number one podcast in the medical device industry If you've been listening to this uh, podcast, thank you. You Keep listening to it to wherever you're listening to it. But we also have been adding videos. So I guess maybe I should have mentioned that at the beginning. But uh, check it out, you know, live, video, audio, however you wish to consume it. I always appreciate uh, hearing from and having uh, loyal listeners. So let us know what topics you think are important. As always, this is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear, and you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.